Navigating the Datascape with Chris Presley and special guests. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Datascape Podcast. I'm the creator, producer, and your host, Chris Presley. The show notes and relevant links can be found at datascapepodcast.com. You'll also find our previous episodes and be able to comment on them. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about data governance. Data governance has been around a long time. It isn't a sexy topic with a jazzy, demoable solution that's going to make you famous at meetups. It can be hard to implement, and just like anything, sometimes these projects can fail. It's better to think of data governance as an integral part of the plumbing of your data landscape. We need to ensure that the data is documented, quality controlled, secure, accessible, and this is critical for effective and innovative decision making. Bad data can lead to poor business decisions with all sorts of negative outcomes ranging in size from small to big. Just think, what if your company decides to make large investments in products destined to fail because they're poorly designed or targeted at the wrong audience? What if you're wrong about your profits and expenses? What if you hire the wrong people and put them in the wrong places? What happens if you ship a thousand percent too many products to a location they won't sell, say snowblowers and lawnmowers to Arizona? What happens when the data isn't properly secured and ends up in the wrong hands? These are just a few examples of possible catastrophes related to bad data causing bad decisions. Ensuring that we have solid data governance, uh, sorry, a solid data governance program will help us avoid these and other problems. To help us understand data governance a little bit better, I'm going to be talking with my colleague, Dennis Walker. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Hi, Chris. Doing well. How about you? I'm well, thanks. And thanks for joining me today. Let's get started with uh, helping the audience get to know you. Can you tell us, uh, give us a quick overview of your career today? Sure. Um, let's see. Well, today I occupy a role at Pythium as the Senior Director of Solutions Architecture, overseeing that we uh, we put together the appropriate solutions and map the opportunity for uh, you know all of the projects and engagements coming in. Where I started uh, was actually in consulting at, at uh, the head or of a sole proprietorship of uh, servicing software development and systems administration needs uh, back before. Those two things coalesced to, to later become DevOps. I think at the age of 25 is when I began hiring, and by the time I sold that company, I was uh, 32. Uh, it was a, a small consultancy, still uh, had 25 employees, uh, but we were doing uh, bigger enterprise um, endeavors, uh, including uh, notable projects uh, like a, a medical SaaS billing platform, all in C Sharp. Uh, which had to operate under HIPAA compliance controls and had strong auditability and traceability for all transactions across the entire system. Since then, uh, I've joined uh, what was eventually an acquisition for Pythium and have worked with an incredible, uh, incredible professionals and engineering experts since. Great. Okay, so a long, long uh, IT career doing a lot of different things. So let's start at the beginning. I always like to start with uh, um, asserting what we're talking about so that everybody starts on the same page. So let's start with what is data governance? So it's a good question. There's uh, a lot of different answers out there, uh, depending on the the sources that you go read. I think if you look at Wikipedia, it's going to say something uh, rather boring, like uh, it's the the federated and centralized control of all of the business rules uh, being applied systematically to data. Uh, across the organization and business units. Um, 
but really uh, the the more attractive answer is um, uh, really uh, centralizing an objective business value model across an organization uh, so that everybody across the organization for the enterprise and the respective business units has a single perspective uh, as to what business value means and how to quantify it, uh, along with risk, of course. So you that's a fairly lengthy explanation. What would you say are the key components of data governance? Yeah, the, the key components, and I guess the way I describe them is sort of uh, functional gates. Um, the, the key components uh, all involve the movement and controlling the movement of data uh, to and from the business units up to a centralized, a centralized store uh, and back uh, for enrichment of, of data products. So uh, to answer your question, inside of those, uh, I, would, I would categorize the capabilities and functionality as uh, along the lines of discovery, uh, profiling, quality, security, uh, consolidation, and active monitoring. Okay. That, that sounds complex. Where would we even start with data governance? Sure. Um, usually, it's, I mean, assuming that it hasn't been employed uh, top-down from the get-go for the entire uh, lifetime of an organization, usually it just starts with the uh, database administrators or the data stewards from each organization. Uh, they, they simply begin to meet, and they simply begin to talk and agree on standards. Uh, so when they're looking at something that represents their customer or product or service or a vendor. Uh, they all agree to sort of the same guidelines as to uh, what is the size and shape and quality of that schema. Okay. Who is the initiator of those conversations? Because just speaking for myself as a database administrator, I have never really felt that I had a lot of time to suddenly start talking about data quality, it's usually, is my system up and performing, I need more space, technical things, um, you know, the only business things that I would talk about are initiated by other people. So who do you see as initiating those conversations? I, I think the real people who start the uh, data governance programs out there are really the business users of that data. And, and it's usually in the context of pursuing uh, a solution for a business level problem. So for example, uh, we see an inordinate amount of customer churn, or we see our competition uh, uh, taking a, you know, huge steps forward in the, in the market competition, and we want to understand why that is. Uh, and so as we go and peruse uh, the sources of data out there, both external and internal, um, usually uh, the internal sources raise and rise to the top of uh, what are considered uh, valuable resources. Uh, but in order to properly harness them into a picture informing the business problem, uh, the, the problems of quality and standardization immediately arise. And so, yeah, those are the people who start the programs and begin to build consensus. My experience with data governance has always been more in the financial institution type areas. Um, they tend to be the ones with the oldest massive amounts of data. Um, the oldest and most strict controls, um, and often the most money uh, to, to do these things. So um, if you're the business person and you're starting to initiate those conversations, um, it sounded like you, you've, they've arisen because of either a challenge or a problem. So is that, can you t describe what that, that challenge or problem might look like? Sure. 
you know, they're going to be different according to uh, where you are inside of an organization. I think the ones you've highlighted are sort of the enterprise level uh, challenges and problems. Uh, so, um, you know, in the C-suite or speaking on behalf of an organization, uh, especially if you're a financial institution or a health institution, you have uh, rigorous compliances that must be met, adhered to uh, with uh, very large, uh, lofty consequences uh, should you be found to deviate from. Um, that's certainly one. Another one is uh, market data, understanding industry trends, understanding who your customer is, what their needs are, where they are located, uh, your own um, uh, analysis of, of the potential for you to uh, spread into that market vertical or domain or geography. Uh, all of that requires uh, data in order to drive the decisions about where to invest money into next um, and, and how to uh, appropriate the messaging uh, for those consumers so that they understand uh, where you're positioned to, to meet those needs. Um, uh, you know, going down to the business unit level, uh, I would say if you're in marketing or product, uh, again, it's, it's all about customers and features uh, and products and services. Um, and so, um, you know, all of the standard suites of data, uh, I'll call out a specific one that's real big, is uh, Google Analytics, for example, just released an A-B testing uh, feature for, for your product, for a web-based product, so that uh, you can experiment and validate hypotheses before investing large amounts of money into the feature development of, of what you believe your customers want. Um, on the operations side, it's going to be uh, IT modernization, spend analysis, supply chain optimization, inventory management, uh, market cost reduction, business process automation. All of those things are aimed at uh, the elimination or reduction of waste uh, or, or um, operating expenditure um, so that the total cost of ownership as uh, quantified and relayed back up to investors can be shown to uh, be continuously improving and, and continuously optimizing over time. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay. So I am a business person in an organization, and let's continue with the theme of enterprise. So I've identified my drivers. It's either a regulatory need or a question I can't answer or some other need. I've got my need now. Um, traditionally, IT staff, you know, I'm probably not talking to them very often when I do, you know, I know what traditional DBAs are like. They're too, you know, pretty busy. They're probably even shielded from me, to be honest. Um, so when I want to start initiating those conversations that you mentioned in the beginning of just starting to meet as a group, how am I going to get them on side and recruit them as interested parties in the initiative that I want to take on? I love the question. I, I believe it starts with an inventory of risks and rewards across the organization. Uh, the idea is if you can understand the incentives and the KPIs for the people you need to collaborate with and provide a facility that enables them to reach their goals and mandates, then they have a native organic incentive to participate in, in the collaboration and the release of data that they house. So uh, I, I would say it's, it starts with uh, a facilitated gap analysis, uh, proceeding to some sort of cost-benefit analysis and a prioritization model uh, that shows where the real valuable targets are across the organization uh, as those uh, organization or business units align with the, uh, the relevant data sources that you're ultimately after uh, in exchange. Okay. So what I just heard there is 
find out what their goals are, their incentives are, and create incentives for them. So, Dennis, I've you know, let's assume that the organization agrees that it was fairly easy to relate this, and it all comes down to basically enablement, if you will, of the functional business areas. So the next step is, and I agree with your approach, by the way, um, threats never motivate. It's it's the opposite uh, that tend to work the best. So now we've got them somewhat on side and we're ready to start meeting. What do I do from there? And I want to keep in mind, like if I was a functional business area, one of my concerns is now that they're interested in my data, are they going to take my access away? Am I going to lose control? So what would the logical next step be in your mind? Well, so we kind of outlined the, the step one, which is just just begin to meet, uh, to inventory those needs and to agree on standards. Uh, the step two of that is is to begin centralizing and pooling that data uh, so that all of the uh, all of the assets spread across the organization can sort of coalesce and combine for the most enriched perspective of those data assets. Uh, who is your customer? What is the product? What is the service? Uh, what is the vendor doing? Um, you know, at, at that point, to answer your question regarding control, I think the the natural exchange that happens over time is that the centralized tools uh, continue to evolve and develop and mature. Uh, and be demonst- uh, demonstrably uh, effective at managing the flow of data. And in exchange, I believe business unit leaders are willing to um, delegate and let go of the control they previously held as, uh, as they find that uh, the, the features and functions of the centralized technology is actually enabling and empowering them to fulfill the roles more effectively. Okay, so basically I heard... Um... Once I'm seeing benefits, I'm I'm okay with losing some of that control <laughs> because I'm seeing the benefits and getting the answers. Is that is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and you mentioned a good word, uh, enablement. I mean, that's uh, there's a term uh, we use at, at Pythian, data enablement, very closely related to data, data governance. It it also speaks to the um, the motive, the motives, right? Uh, the org- the enterprise, uh, GRC, finance, uh, the, the the CSO are all looking for the, uh, the reduction of risk, the, uh, the, the traction of things that could uh, be fear-inspiring <laughs> uh, for good reason, uh, right? Because investors and stakeholders need to see the proper due diligence is being maintained. The business unit leaders are looking for enablement, empowerment, uh, the ability to uh, thrive through innovation and grow and scale the business uh, to new heights and uh, to really meet their target customers' needs. Uh, and so we use the term data enablement to represent uh, the democratization of data through uh, on-demand uh, 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 dashboards um, that are all governed and uh, regulated according to the centralized requirements of the controlling organization, but released to enable and empower those business unit leaders to thrive. Okay. And there was a lot there, um, probably a whole other podcast in, in some of the things that you just talked about. Um, but continuing on the path of, of um, data governance, so we've started to meet, everybody's incentivized, we're starting to, we've agreed upon standards, we're, we're talking about data. Uh, wh- what do we do next? The next thing is to really begin to build a, a, an enterprise-wide platform for managing data. Uh, the idea there is that if somebody wrote a tool or a function or a piece of code that 
performs any of the three-letter acronym that we know ETL, you know, individually the extract, the transforms, the loads. And of course, if you decompose the T and transform, that can mean uh, any number of different things in order to validate uh, and qualify and consolidate that data. Uh, the idea is, I think, in a, in a long-term uh, best practice and sort of a future ideal state, uh, ideal end state of that platform is you want to have uh, all of those functions shared, accessible, tagged, and profiled so that as you uh, encounter new data sources, either through uh, merger or acquisition or uh, external import, uh, that your tools can sort of dynamically identify what is the appropriate matching set of functions that are likely to be applied to that data source based off of the dynamic discovery of, of that schema. Uh, I think in the ideal end state, again, um, uh, everything uh, generally becomes more and more centralized or is centralized. And the, uh, the, the, the centralized data lake or data warehouse uh, has logical segregations for uh, producing high quality data through each of the functional gates we enumerated before. Okay, so many organizations today, they have lots and lots of data sources. If it's an enterprise, they probably even have more than one data warehouse. Where does one start? How do, we, how do you decide where to start? It's another good question. So um, the question is, in pursuit of the ideal state, end state of the technology, where to, where to begin that process? Yeah, because we could, there's probably, you know, many, many data sources, many, many places. How do I decide where I want to get started? Which source to start on, if you will? Yeah. You know, uh, customer data is probably classifiable as generally the riskiest kind of data to have uh, because it relates to identity. It can relate to financial information or health information. And there's so much regulatory compliance around that. It also uh, envelops um, the company's outlook for who they're pursuing in order to make uh, their products and marketing more relevant to. Um, and so in terms of uh, uh, targeting the initial sort of data asset, I think the right entry point is to look at where does your customer data actually reside and, and what is the most efficient path for beginning to coalesce those data sources into a, a consolidated picture of who your customer is. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. And when I hear talk of data governance, sometimes I hear people saying something about a single source of truth. Now, if I start into this, maybe I'm a mid-level manager uh, and, I'm, and I'm looking for some wins. I'm looking for promotion points. I want to get answers to questions. And I went from not being able to get answers about some of our products or our customers or something important that I need to now I've got to talk about the quality of data um, so, you know, I've really drifted, if I wasn't familiar with this process, I've really started to drift on what I really just wanted, which is just tell me how many people are buying the thing over here. Um, so if IT is not my, my area, um, am I going to need to build another system as part of this effort? Um, the answer is very likely yes, you will at, at some point. Uh, there are a number of solutions out there in the market that uh, can rapidly prototype and bootstrap that effort. The goal you, I think, want initially is uh, where does data pool? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be as extensive as the data warehouse or a data lake, uh, but something needs to be called a centralized storage, at least in the interim, uh, while you're building uh, the consensus around the data governance program and while you're identifying the data stewards who will uh, later take part of a council and, and while you're, uh, you know, 
getting the uh, the top level executive sponsorship, uh, you just need that interim uh, step where you get a, a couple of allies and you agree on where this data pool. Okay. And folks, uh, in episode, I believe, five, we spoke with Danil uh, all about data lakes. So if you're unfamiliar with the term and you want to get a, a little bit deeper, um, that was that's a good starting point. Should arm you with information, ask uh, other questions for uh, subsequent Google or Bing searches. Uh, so, okay, so I'm probably building a new system. Now, um, switching gears a little bit, um, most likely if I'm working in an enterprise, this isn't a new idea. This isn't a new thing. They probably do. They have data governance. How do I how do I figure out if I'm asking the same questions my predecessor asked? And how do I find out if I have data governance? What are some telltale signs for you? Do you think? Um, I, I first of all, I'll say the assumption I have is that every organization has some degree of data governance, whether they recognize it or, or not. Uh, e even if it's just put in by the initial database administrator who designed the, the initial schema, uh, chances are good that the tool itself is already implementing some level of security, even if it's just the root access <laughs> uh, through a password to that data source. Uh, and so I, I think um, to really answer that question, what you need is uh, to do a uh, at least an initial assessment of, of where you are at, uh, uh, which goes back to some of the details we just talked on, so I won't repeat it, but uh, going through the organization, uh, sort of identifying the key data assets and data sources, inventorying those risks uh, and rewards, uh, looking at the uh, the functional gaps uh, that may be present in all of those data sources, as well as uh, not only in the rigor of uh, security of the individual data sources, but how well aligned uh, and standardized those practices may already be. Uh, chances are good, and this is true for the majority of organizations, that there is already a, uh, standards uh, identified, but there are multiple sets of standards. Uh, so uh, business units A and B are doing it this way, and uh, across town in C and D, they, they have a different set of standards. So um, uh, everybody is in, in the process uh, for agreeing how to centralize and control and derive value out of their data. So... As we both kind of agreed that, you know, there's good chances that there's some sense of data governance, probably if I'm not a new organization, and it could be very different across the organization. Um, how do I tell how good it is, how mature data governance is in my organization and the quality of my data governance program is, is how can I, how can I know? There's a, uh, there's a really great book. I mean, there are several maturity models out there. Uh, the one I really like is a book by Tony Fisher called The Data Asset, subtitle How Smart Companies uh, Govern Their Data for Business Success. But in that, basically, there are four levels. And the, the quick description of, of those is uh, stage one is undisciplined. Everybody's doing ad hoc database administration. No standards have been identified. Basically, everybody's concerns are, are siloed and local to what their needs are and they're completely autonomous and independently acting. Um, up from that is stage two, which is, uh, um, according to Tony, he labels it the reactive phase. Uh, and this is usually in response to some event. Uh, it could be a negative one, uh, a deviation from compliance or, or a penetration event that has happened, uh, which uh, then requires the, the business to immediately respond and begin to develop those standards. Um, that's where you'll begin to see uh, the identification of standards. You'll begin to see uh, data pools 
um, but still sort of local to a couple of different business units uh, rather than being standardized and recognized from an, an organization or enterprise uh, viewpoint. Uh, stage three, the proactive one, according to Tony, is um, where real uh, a, a real governance council has sort of arisen and uh, the uh, the mindset of data as a corporate asset is is sort of embodied broadly across the organization. Uh, that's also where you'll see C-level sponsorship of, of these programs and tools uh, so that people begin actively and proactively pushing data uh, to uh, centralized uh, storehouses with centralized controls and business rules that are well identified and meaningful. Uh, and, and the final stage is uh, what he calls governed, um, which is uh, where you're reaching uh, full centralized perspectives of all of your assets in very meaningful ways, both at the enterprise level and the business unit level. You've built that platform for data uh, data governance. If you have new assets that uh, become acquired, uh, it's no longer a real challenge to integrate those. Uh, it can be done very rapidly. Uh, that's where you see MDM arise, master data management, um, and uh, business process automation really begins to abound. Uh, so that's that's sort of where the the realization of value um, abounds and is is primarily seen as the result of the, the governance controls that have been put in place. Okay, that that sounds pretty straightforward. So um, basically, it, it sounds like if we, based on what you've told me, is start at, if if you're new to the organization, probably a mid level director manager, start asking questions about. Um, do we have the obvious one is do we have data governance? If nobody, if everybody looks at you like you don't know what you're talking about, you still might have it. Uh, it just might be called something else. So start asking: um, Have we ever had a breach of any kind? Uh, but be careful because you might raise some eyebrows around it. Uh, and asking about the data: Where is the documentation for the data? Where can I see the the catalog, the data architecture, any of those things? And people who are closer to the data will, but um, not necessarily hands on the data, will know. Um, and if the answers are, oh, yes, it's right here, here's the tool, have a look at this, it sounds like, um, if I hear you correctly, you're probably pretty close to stage three. Um, it, it, um, you know, those those things are, are probably there. If the answers are very clear, very well outlined, very documented, and or people are coming to you and telling you about these things and you don't have to ask, and you're making data-driven decisions, you probably add or pretty darn close to stage four. Would you agree? Uh, that, that's right. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, according to the book, in the breakdown of those phases, the, the majority of everybody is actually in phase two, the reactive phase. Uh -huh. uh, so the, the claim there is it's approximately 50% of the observed organizations reside inside of that middle phase, middle tier. 30% um, are in the proactive stage. Uh, and then it's very, very, very few that are actually all the way up in the most mature governance uh, uh, phase. Understood. Um, I mean... I go to a lot of businesses. I, you know, so many are still in reactive uh, phases of every of everything. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense. So um, we mentioned earlier in the podcast that data governance is a pretty old concept. Um, in your mind, how is it? How is it? I, I want to say mature, but things don't always mature in IT. Uh, I want to I want to say how is it? How has it changed in in the last little while, and and has it improved? Uh, certainly it has. Um, 
I, I want to say, you know, over the past 10 years, I think we've been seeing a, uh, with the advent of big data and machine learning and neural networks, uh, the understanding that data can be much more rapidly and dynamically uh, pieced together in order to really uh, enable businesses. Back to the, you know, the conversation about uh, dashboards that uh, enable business unit leaders to innovate. Um, that can be done in so many different ways now that are not weighted or dependent on human biases in order to put together, a, you know, a relevant taxonomy for. Uh, and so those are the those are the cutting edges and, and major changes and updates in uh, data governance. I think the history uh, of data governance really has its roots in just controlling it, uh, making sure that it's properly secured and uh, validated and actively monitored uh, for operational um, support of transactions. Uh, today, uh, though, to just put a, a bullet point on the the answer is it's really heading into meaningful analytics, and that's sort of the future. Uh, and really the excitement uh, for where data governance is headed. Okay, so how do I how do I incentivize those around me? It sounds like there's a reason that we aren't all at the state fourth, third, or fourth stage. Um, how do I when I start talking about creating this? It's, it also sounds like a lot of work, and I heard a lot of meetings and a lot of collaboration across business units that maybe don't get along and probably don't meet very often. How do I go about incentivizing the higher-ups to, because you mentioned a uh, key to success I heard was having a strong executive sponsor or sponsors. How do I begin to get those people on side to do all this work? Um, you know, uh, I believe uh, agile methodologies are totally perfect here uh, because the, the, uh, the mindset and the frame there is uh, the delivery of value, but really focused, especially in the near term. Uh, what what is the the low effort milestone that can be delivered to the to the business to achieve a win today? Uh, and what does that maybe look like for the next month or two out? Um, if we can identify that at a at a routine cadence uh, mm -hmm. through communications with our our peers and colleagues and superiors. Uh, then uh, we're very likely to succeed because that'll that'll very likely propagate its own uh, its own uh, lifeblood in, into the future, into that ideal end state, which may be years away. Uh, but rather than present the notion for how to boil the ocean, uh, you can point to how to solve real problems today. Okay, so get wins quickly and start talking about them. Um, can you? Do you have any examples of what uh, a quick win might look like? Like what? What some examples of where I might look if I'm trying to institute this? Certainly. You know, going back to the business units and their needs, I mean, each uh, each C-suite that you typically see at the top of an organization has a set of accountabilities, uh, and those accountabilities are really defined by by data and KPIs, uh, whether or not they are known and exist. Um, and so, um, you know, just going through them super quickly, uh, because many of them are near-term successes, because they don't depend on a high degree of integration, of multiple data sources in order to realize. Um, the, the first one is probably, and this is one I can uh, directly relate to, but if it's, uh, if you look at the CTO position and or the, uh, the individual who owns the accountability for enabling the business through technology, uh, the principal KPIs there are, uh, what is my velocity throughput? Um, said another way, 
what is the volume of feature requests that I can supply and fulfill over time in a in a rapid and qualitative way? And so uh, there, the data that very likely exists, which can support these notions and inform decisions about hiring and subcontracting and uh, and pay rates and forecasting, uh, are likely found in work tracking systems uh, like Jira, uh, uh, Rally. Um, you know, anything where uh, the level of effort is generally recorded. Um, and, and back to Agile methodologies, uh, the working notions there, uh, just to start even lower level than that, is, um, and going into Scrum, that the roadmap and the backlog should be informed by recent uh, velocity of deliverables uh, having, having recently been produced. So said another way, uh, look at what the team has recently performed over the past couple of sprints and use that to forecast the timeline going forward as part of that re regular interval because at the end of the day, especially in technology, uh, what the business wants to know is what can I predict uh, will happen and what can I depend on my IT organization to produce. Um, that's at the IT level. Um, I, uh, I can certainly go on into, into other business units as well, but I think local to the business unit is probably the right uh, the right vantage point for determining near-term wins. Okay. So what I heard is um, look really close to you. Listen to things that are going on ar around you. Listen to what people are complaining about um, data and, and try and relate it to data and try and fix that thing. Would you agree? Exactly. That's right. Okay. Um, that sounds good. Um, you know, it's, given that it is an old topic, there's probably quite a few um, books and publications available for those who are interested in learning more about implementing it uh, and or working with uh, data governance. Uh, is there Are there any other kind of key publications that you would recommend to our audience? And folks, before he answers, just uh, uh, I, will, I will put this in the show notes so that you can click on and, and get links to it. Absolutely. Um, you know, a couple of good books. I mentioned The Data Asset by Tony Fisher before. Uh, uh, a couple of related uh, books that I found really helpful. Uh, one is Data Strategy by Sid Adelman. Uh, there's The Art of Business Value. Uh, I can't remember the author, <laughs> but it's an excellent book about how, uh, how organizations model their business value. Um, uh, and the last one I'd recommend is uh, the Non-Invasive non Data Governance. Uh, it really speaks about how to uh, how to build that consensus by aligning incentives and inventory risks and rewards, uh, and that's by a gentleman named Robert Sider. Excellent. I think we've done a pretty good job covering the subject, uh, at least the basics of data governance and, and its implementation. Are there any other points that you would like to close on? Are there any other takeaways or nuggets that the the audience should have? It, you know, if I were to summarize um, the the important takeaways, it's uh, just Focus on business value. Uh, said another way, um, and, and that can that can be subjected to uh, enterprise corporate goals and, and strategy and sentiments. But uh, the universal one is money over time. And so, if you look at income and expense uh, over time and forecast that out, you have a projection for growth and scalability of the of the uh, of the platform and of the company. Uh, and the flip side of that goes back to uh, the roots of governance, which is in GRC, governance, risk, and compliance. Uh, so the, the reverse of value is risk. Uh, so risk mitigation and business value go hand in hand. 
Excellent. Okay. Um, so at this point, Dennis, uh, we have reached the lightning round, and this is where I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh, I'd like you to answer them as quickly as you can, and it helps us get to know you just a little bit better. Are you ready? I, I think so. <laughs> uh, what project are you uh, most proud of? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Let's see, I did a project in 2013 for a startup e-commerce company, and uh, it, it had really fallen by the wayside. Uh, through that project, I basically got to touch all aspects of this company's technology from development to data design to ETLs to data warehousing, data lakes, um, the, the DevOps and platform operations. Uh, that, was, uh, the, that was one I was proud of just for the sheer fact of being so versatile uh, and so useful in so many different facets of, of that uh, company's technology spectrum. Okay, awesome. Um, I know you are a big fan of reading, um, so try to keep it to one, maybe two. But what is the book that's made the most impact on your career? Oh, <laughs> another very good one. Um, all right, I'm going to give a brief. Um, it's a book by Joe Joseph McCormack. Make a bigger impact by saying less. Uh, it's really, really uh, forced me to focus on uh, how to encapsulate ideas in, in fewer words uh, while being more, uh, more clear if possible. Oh, good, good suggestion. Uh, standing or sitting desk? Uh, I have an adjustable desk. I, I believe in both standing and sitting uh, in intervals. <laughs> Excellent. Um, laptop or desktop? Laptop. All right. Mac or PC? Mac. I own both, but it's it's Mac. Got it. Okay. So iPhone or Android? iPhone. Okay. Uh, plus version or regular size? Plus. All right. So Fablet. I see. Uh, what is the best tool or app that you would recommend that you use on a daily basis? Google Chrome. No, I'll give a real answer. Um, <laughs> A uh, tool I use on a regular basis that I didn't think I would uh, is, and I can't say it because it's going to activate while I do, I'll say it anyway, uh, is the Amazon Alexa app, um, which controls my lights, my doors, um, really integrates into a lot of places in my house. Uh, and I find that so much more convenient than actually reaching for buttons. Uh, so I, as a result, I'm even lazier. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. My parents have one of those. It's it's fantastic. Um, so, Dennis, you've been a great sportsman. Fun talking to you today. Uh, where can people find you if they want to know more? Uh, contact contact me at Pythian. Uh, you can reach my email, walker at Pythian.com. Thank you, Chris. Excellent. Thank you. Um, that's all the time we had for today, folks. You can find the show notes and related links at datascapepodcast.com. If you like the show, the biggest compliment you can give us is by writing a review on iTunes and telling a friend where to find us. I want to thank everyone who has already taken the time to send an email to datascapepodcast.gmail.com. I really appreciate your comments and your feedback. It helps me adapt and grow the show. Uh, you can also tweet directly to me at, at @dbachris on Twitter. Have a great day in the Datascape. Navigating the Datascape.